0: Say thank you for being and coming to Life City Church and worshiping with us. Amen. I am Pastor Tim, along with this beautiful, talented, lovely woman here. I love bragging on her. And, and with our two little girls, we have the distinct privilege and it is an honor to pastor this church and make an impact in this city. That's why we're here. Amen. That's why this church was birthed in the first place was to make an impact in this city, and uh, we're just going to, and you're a part of that, every one of you are a part of that, just as much as I'm a part of that, and uh, I'm excited what God's going to do, amen, amen. Everyone say easy, easy. It was in 1970 British television commercial that we were introduced to a saying by a little girl. See in this commercial, it was a commercial for a detergent, and there was a sink full of dirty dishes, and the mother come in and she held in her hand for everybody to see this yellow bottle of lemon squeezy detergent, and she squirted it all over the dishes and they begin to wash the dishes and at After everything was clean, the little girl looked up at her mom and said, Mama, easy peasy lemon squeezy. And there you have it. Now you know the origin of easy peasy lemon squeezy. It is by far my youngest daughter, Grayson's favorite saying of all. She says it at least five times a day. I'm like, Grayson, how'd you do? Oh, I did good in math. Oh, good. Was it hard? Is easy peasy lemon squeezy. I don't know where she heard it from, but uh, and, and she'll change it up. She'll put her own twist. She'll go easy peasy lemon cheesy, and she'll add her own little phrases to it. Oh. And then in March of 1977, a singing group called the Commodores released a song written by their lead singer, Lionel Richie, titled Easy. Now, you may not know the song, but I'm sure you know the phrase, easy like Sunday morning, right? You know that? Yeah. That's all I'm going to give you. That's all I'm going to sing of it. Yeah. (laughs) Shot down in a blaze of glory. (laughs) I was 20 years old, and I had... um, started an apprenticeship with a Carrier Corporation, and I was attending college at night. And I remember being overwhelmed, and which happened quite a bit. When you're 20, it's not too difficult to get overwhelmed. And uh, I, I called my dad one night, and I was complaining to my dad that I had to work, and I had to go to school, and then I had to get up and go to work. And he was playing a violin on the other end of the phone for me and uh he told me he said he said something that he said i guess i've heard it all my life growing up he said son if it was easy yeah everybody would do it i didn't exactly want to hear that at that moment but i got the i got the gist of it and I begin to think that our society we, we live in a society we that we want everything easy. That's why Staples uh, created the easy button. And you know, easy just push it and everything happens easy. Uh, we don't like difficult, we don't like hindrance, we don't and and, and I'm 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 with you. I I understand that. But I, I, when it comes to our relationship with God and when it comes to life, not everything is easy like Sunday morning. How many can testify to that? That there's been things in your life that have not been easy, that have been difficult. And I was praying about something in, in, in our life, and I began to ask God, God, I'm just asking you to remove it. And I started praying that, that scripture where it says, if you'll just have the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed into a different place, and it'll be done. And the mountain will be re- removed. And so I was praying and I was activating that mustard size, mustard seed size faith. And I wanted this mountain removed out of my life. But then I felt the Holy Spirit give me a direct warning. You ever had those? You ever, you ever been praying and asking for something and the Holy Spirit speak to you and be like, check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know? <laughs> and, and the warning was to be careful about asking God to remove something that he meant for me to go through. And as he began to tell me that, my mind went back to a message I've preached twice. The first time I preached it, I titled it, What to Do with My Mountain. And then about three years ago, I preached it, and it was titled, To Cast or Conquer. And what the Lord had dealt with me about was understanding the difference between certain mountains in our lives, that we all are, are are presented with a mountain, something that's big, something that that has to be dealt with, whether it's a situation or whether it's whether it's a, a physical thing, a, a relational thing, a, a spiritual thing, whatever it may be. The these mountains. Anybody ever ever dealt with a mountain in your life? You ever had a mountain size enemy and a, a mountain size attack come against you? And so uh, we're told that this mustard seed can move a mountain, but then we find instances in Scripture where a mountain wasn't moved. It was climbed. And I begin to think. I begin to think back, and I I said, Lord, I love the idea, and I'll be the first to sign up for God's mountain removal plan." That's a good plan. God, sign me up. Put me on that. But the reason is, is because we have grown fond of the easy plan. In 1916, a poem was published, and the writer was Robert Frost. And this is the poem. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted, wanted wear. Though, as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay. In leaves no step had trodden black, oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two rows diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference." The Road Less Traveled is the name of the poem. And I begin to think about that because it, bec- it, it has become an idiom that, has, that is said, oh, the road less traveled or, or, or the road not taken. And I begin to think you know, the difference between conquering a mountain and removing a mountain may be God's perfect will for your life. Because I will admit there are going to be things, there are going to be mountains that come into your life that the Lord spurs you to speak to that and it be removed. But then there's going to be things that come into your life and you speak to them and say, God, remove it out of my life. Then you stand back and wonder why he hasn't removed it. So as I spoke in prayer requesting that certain mountain in our life be removed, that warning that the Holy Spirit gave me was this, that at the cost of casting that mountain aside, I would be forfeiting what awaited me on the mountaintop. I want to say that again. I want you to to catch that. The cost of casting the, the mountain aside I could be forfeiting what awaited me on the mountaintop. Because whether it is me or whether it is God, there is something and someone awaiting an exaltation on the top of the mountain. And the Spirit began to open up the pages of God's Word in my mind. And this is what I've come to tell you today that you may be here and you may have walked into this place this morning and you've been staring at a mountain in front of you and you've been asking God... To remove it and you've been asking God and you've been casting it and you've been exercising your faith and you've been doing all the right things. But there every morning you wake up, that mountain stares at you and you don't understand why God hasn't removed that mountain and you don't understand why. And so you start questioning him why he hasn't done that. Well, the reason why God hasn't taken the mountain out of your way is because he wants to take you over it. He wants to take you over it, and while he takes you over it, there are three things that are going to happen. He's going to test you, he's going to rest you, and he's going to bless you. That's what a mountaintop experience, that's what climbing a mountain with God has in it. You're going to be tested, you're going to be rested, and you're going to be blessed. Amen. And if you can't stand the testing, you might forfeit the resting and the blessing. But I want everything that God has for me, even if it means climbing a mountain. Even if, But I know this, but understand this, you're not climbing alone. God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He will always be there. No matter how high the mountain, He can reach the top. No matter how steep the climb, He's able to carry you through that mountain. Top, Man. And through the resting, or through the testing, the resting and the blessing, you're going to be empowered, you're going to be strengthened, you're going to be encouraged, and you're going to be exalted to a place in God that you've never been before. Man. Because I, the, the desire is, the test is, that when he takes me, where I've never been, I'll see him in ways I've never seen him one. Amen? Amen. And so I've got to be willing to go and climb the mountain with him. And so I began, as the word of God began to open up to me, I began to kind of walk through. And this is what I want to show you. I want to encourage you today that if you feel like you're climbing a mountain, that's okay. That's okay. Don't don't stress the mountain because God is with you. I I want you to know that. Get that in your your mind and in your heart and settle that in your spirit. You are not alone. God is always with you. No matter where you're at in the mountain climb, God is with you. Amen. And so it took me to Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. You know the story. And God said to Abram, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. If there's ever been a testing, Abram was tested. If there's ever been a challenge of a commitment, Abram was tested. His commitment was challenged by God. He said, I want you to go and I want you to take this thing that's most precious to you. You see, the mountain will test what's precious in your life. The mountain will test and it will will show what you value the most. Did Abram value Isaac as his son more than he did his relationship with God? You know what, was, what happened? The mountain tested that. If you don't want to be tested, don't climb the mountain. But understand, if you don't climb the mountain, you may very well be forfeiting a, a deeper relationship with God and a way that you've of seeing God that you've never seen before. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. Because the word of God tells us a story about that same thing. And I'm going to give it away. But three of his closest followers climbed a certain mountain with them. And they saw Jesus in a way they'd never seen before. And it blew their mind. You want to see Jesus in a way you've never seen before? Be willing to climb the mountain with them. Amen. And So so then now turn over to Exodus chapter 3. So that's our first test of the mountain. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Now that would be something to see. That would be something that, you know, you could nowadays if you if that happened, it would show up on Twitter, it would show up on Instagram, it would show up on Facebook, and then everybody would say it was photoshopped and you know that's that's what would happen today, you know? Cuz we have to have an easy explanation for these things. God can't be miraculous. Miracles don't happen anymore. Well, that's a lie because I'm a physical witness of a miracle, amen, amen, and there's many here today that are an absolute miracle that you're here today, amen, so God didn't bring Abram and Moses to, I want you, I want you to check, catch this, this is really good, when God showed me this, I thought, wow, that's awesome, don't you love it when he does that, you're reading his word and he does something, and you're like, man, that's awesome. God didn't bring Abram and Moses to their mountains to produce faith or trust. He brought them there to reveal their faith and trust. You see, because a mountain is a lot like a fire. A fire doesn't produce purity. It reveals purity. Amen? The mountain doesn't produce faith. It reveals it. The mountain won't produce what truly is your priority. The mountain won't produce a new set of priorities for you. What the mountain will do, the mountain will reveal your priorities. The the mountain will reveal what you're truly passionate about and where your faith stands in God. That's what the mountain will reveal. Amen. So when you start climbing the mountain, understand there's going to be some things revealed. We climb the mountain for ourselves. There's times where God puts a mountain in front of you and you think, man, God, what are you doing? You trying to destroy me? He's saying, no, I want to show you. I want to reveal something to you about you that I want to encourage and I want to exalt and I want to strengthen. I want to take a weakness that's going to be revealed in the mountain and I want to make it a strength. In your life. Amen. And so I've got to be willing to climb the mountain so he can reveal some things about me to me. Amen. That's what the mountain does. I was reading this story about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro. And they call Kilimanjaro not really a mountain climb, it's more of a mountain hike. It's not as big as some of the others. I'm like, that's that's a decent hike. Um, And they were, this guy was, he was just some Joe Blow, and he decided, I'm gonna pay five thousand dollars, and I'm gonna go to Mount Kilimanjaro, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hike up Mount Kilimanjaro. And um, he got there, and they asked him, they said, Have you ever have you ever climbed before? Nope. He said, Are you active? Nope. He said, uh, Do you exercise on a regular basis? Nope. I'm like, okay, this ought to be fun. Let's go. <laughs> and so he headed up the mountain, and they're climbing or hiking up Kilimanjaro. And they say it's anywhere from five to nine days uh, to the summit and back. And they got about, I don't know, three quarters of the way up. And they said the number one reason that people fail to reach the summit of Kilimanjaro is altitude sickness. Because you get to a place up in Kilimanjaro where the altitude is so much different, because I believe it's like 19,000 feet. Anything over about 18,000, you need some type of oxygen. And so they say once you get to that point, you start you know losing if, – if you haven't uh, – trained, if you haven't uh, introduced yourself to that type of climate change or that altitude change, you can get sick, and people have been known to pass away, to die on Kilimanjaro because of altitude sickness. Well, this guy's climbing, and he's thinking, yeah, man, this ain't, you know, these people make a big deal about climbing, and they said the higher they got, the slower he got. And, and they looked back at one time, and he was on all, he was on, on his hands and knees, and they said, man, are you okay? And, and he said, well, he goes, yeah, just give me a moment. Let me catch my breath. So they gave him a moment. He got up. They walked literally. They said they said it wasn't 100 feet. And we looked back, and he was on his hands and knees. And we're like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Let's do this. And so he takes a moment. He gets back up, and he's going again. And then they look back, and the dude's flat on his back. And they're like, man, are you, are you, are you going to make it? And he goes, man, he said, I really didn't think the altitude was going to make this much difference on my body. And they said, yeah. I said, because what happens is when you climb into that high of an elevation, if your body has never been introduced to that type of elevation change, your body don't know how to react. And I thought about that as it relates to the spiritual mountains that we climb in life. And God spoke to me and he said, you know, he said, the reason that I don't allow you to climb the mountain by yourself is because you're going to experience things on the climb up the mountain that you're not prepared for, that you're not ready for. And he said, so that's why I go before you. He said, because as I step before you, he said, I prepare the way for you. He says, and where I go, you will go also. And he said, so I don't ever ask you to climb a mountain that I'm not I'm not already up at the top waiting for you. He said because I've cleared the way and I'm just calling you to a place that's higher and I'm calling you to a place that's deeper and I'm calling you to a place that I'm going to reveal myself to you in ways that you never thought possible. And if so, if you'll just trust me. So this is the this is the message today. This is what I want you to understand is that if you feel like god's leading you through this mountain he's not casting it aside understand he's already gone before you he's already there that mountain is not meant to destroy you it's meant to reveal what god wants to show you and do in you and bring power into your life that you've never seen happen because the enemy wants you to believe that the mountain will reveal your demise well that's a lie because the mountain is going to release your promise. That's what it's going to do. Abram went to the mountain with Isaac. He passed the test of the mountain. And then we start reading where God begins to release his promise and his name changed from Abram to Abraham, and and the blessings of the Lord begin to follow. But first, there had to be the testing of the mountain. Moses climbs. He's lost. He's a shepherd. He's on the backside of the desert, and he climbs a mountain, and he sees a burning bush. And the angel of the Lord speaks to him through the burning bush. And Moses is like, oh, I can't do this. And, and and he's like, No, I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the words to say. But I can't go before Pharaoh. Oh yes, you can, because I'm gonna go with you and when you open your mouth it's not going to be Moses speaking it's going to be me speaking through you and then Moses says okay here we go and he comes off the mountain Horeb and he goes and he stands before Pharaoh and you know the story and then when they're marching out of Egypt the first one in line he looks and there's Moses the blessing the promise so you've been asking the Lord Lord what about this promise what about the promise that you're going to do this in my life and this in my life? Well, just maybe, just maybe, he's in, inviting you to the top of the mountain. Because to receive the promise, there has to be a testing. Amen. And now I want to show you the rest Genesis chapter 8, verse 4. The flood. Noah builds an ark. Noah and his family get in the ark. The waters come. They start destroying everything. And then in verse 4 of, eight, of chapter 8, it says, In the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. You see, the flood elevated the ark to the top. Of the mountain to rest until the waters receded. Once you go through the test of the mountain, God will allow there to be a season of rest on the mountain. You don't have to come off the mountain to rest, He'll make a way for you to rest. On the mountain. And then when the waters subside, he'll say, okay, now it's time to descend and watch. And I'll walk you through my promise. And I'll start releasing my blessing in your life. But we have to just, we have to make sure that we're committed enough to climbing the mountain with him. That we'll stay long enough. Yesterday, a bunch of us men met at Roses to eat breakfast. And it was a glorious time. It was. It was a good time. Had tacos. And John brought us the devotion. And um, man, it was good. It was really good. I was taking notes, and I was like, okay, I can't preach this tomorrow because he'll know where I got my notes from. I need him to sleep a few days so he he won't remember and be like, man, that's so good, pastor. Like, yeah, I know, right? No, I'm just playing, but. He, he's, he was talking about eagles, and he said something about eagles, man, that just, I was like, yeah, I wanted to stand up in roses and, and holler, but um, I didn't. I didn't want to freak everybody out. But he made this statement, he said that eagles will, will sit perched up on their high elevated place where, where they build their nest, and they'll wait for these air thermals, To come through because an eagle's wings are too heavy for it to use them on a constant basis. That literally, if the eagle has to flap its wings all the time to fly, it'll die of exhaustion because the wings are so heavy. And so they use these thermal uplifts in the atmosphere to soar. That's why a lot of times when you see eagles, all they're doing is this. What are they doing? They're riding the uplift. And he, he told it better than I did, but he, I mean it was really good. And he made this statement. He said, eagles can reach heights that no other bird can reach. They can literally fly up to about 10,000 feet. God, that blew my mind. I didn't realize they could fly that high. He said, but the way they get there, and this is this is a mind bomb right here. The way they get to that height is by a storm. They use the thermal energy in a storm to push them higher and higher and higher and higher. And man, he said that. I felt the Holy Spirit move into that roses. And I don't know if anybody else felt it, but I felt it. And I thought, man, that's it. That's it. He says, we're going to mount up with wings as eagles. Isaiah said it. And, and and I begin to think, man, that's the thing. I've been asking the Lord to speak peace to my storm or to cast out my mountain. But he's saying, no, 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 no. Don't cast the mountain. Don't stop the storm. Because I'm gonna use the storm and I'm gonna use the mountain to elevate you to a place that you've never been before. And you're gonna see things from that place of elevation that you've never seen before. And I'm gonna reveal myself to to you in that place of elevation that you've never seen. And you're gonna see how I work. And my the the mind of Christ is gonna begin to settle into your mind. And you're gonna be able to minister to people and you're gonna be able to impact people because you're gonna see things from an elevated place. And I thought man that must have been what David saw When he said he is my high strong tower He is my place of exaltation He has exalted me above my enemy I thought man I don't want the storm to pass I want the storm to elevate me And so we've got to put our trust in him We've got to put our faith in him And let the storm elevate us And and not worry about the storm and the mountain defeating us because I don't conquer the storm with my own strength, anyways. I don't climb to the top of the mountain with my own strength, anyways. I am made strong through Him. It is through him, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know why? Because when I am weak, he is made strong. He brings those things into my life. And even if my own bad choices and my own poor decisions bring storms, he can use that storm to elevate me. He can use that mountain to, to test me and rest me and bless me. Amen. Amen. I, I left that breakfast excited. And so, we had a good preacher Saturday morning. It, it was really good. And so, understand that the mountain will test you, but also, there will be a season of rest on the mountain. Amen. And the last is bless. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19 is where we'll go first. God speaking to Elijah, and he said, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel. And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table, he said, Get them all together. Get up on the mountain and get ready. He said, Because I'm I'm, going to release something. And then in verse 38, we see what happens. He says, then, so he gets all 850 prophets up there, and they're all gathered around. And you, if you don't know the story, Elijah said, you know what? You go first. And so they went first, and they took all their, their, their sacrifice, and they cut it into pieces. And then they started dancing around to Baal, and Baal was silent. Duh, and, and so when Baal was silent, they were like, okay, what's going on? So they started cutting themselves. Well, maybe he'll answer to me destroying the, my own temple, and, and they, Baal was still silent. And Elijah's like, okay, okay, I've seen enough. And he says, all right, so he puts the sacrifice there, and he says, hey, boys, he said, I want you to go get 12 barrels of water, and I want you to drench everything. And there's a message in that all by itself, and I won't go there because we'll be here for a minute. And so, um, but anyways, so I, I got to move on because I really want to go there. But so he drenches the, everything, and the trough and the trench and the sacrifice and the altar, everything's covered in water. You see, what's funny is they prayed to Baal for like a solid day and a half, all day, all evening, all morning. Still nothing. Elijah gets up here and says, God, you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. And you are the God that has spoken to me. I'm asking you to respond right now. Simple prayer. And then verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. God says, I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to show out. See, there are t- if, if you'll go through the test and the rest of the mountain, when you experience the blessing of the mountain, God won't just show up. He'll show out in your life and he'll 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 consume everything in your life. And and, and people will be standing around and they will be an eyewitness to what God's doing. And they're going to be like, whoa. That is incredible. And it's going to be God's way for Him to get the glory because we understand that if He'll be exalted, He'll exalt us to places we've never been before. The thing is, we can't get satisfied with the valley. We can't get satisfied with just the foothills. We've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep pursuing. We've got to keep seeking Him. Matthew 6.33, He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you what what are those things everything you have need of we sang about it he is my everything and so elijah has this incredible thing happen what i like about this story is it's it's not the only thing that happens in elijah's life on a mountain Because if you keep reading through 1 Kings, over in chapter 19, and I don't have it, but over in chapter 19, Elijah climbs up Mount Horeb so he could have another experience with God. And it's in in Mount Horeb that he stands there and the earthquake comes and the fire comes and the whirlwind comes and God's not in the whirlwind and he's not in the fire and he's not in the earthquake. But then he hears something that sounds like a still small voice and he retreats into the entrance of the cave and God speaks to him in a still small voice and you know what's incredible the mountain that Elijah heard the still small voice was the same mountain that Moses heard the voice of God coming from the burning bush (laughs) let me tell you if 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 you'll take the test And if you'll allow the rest, the blessing of the mountain will be unmatched in your life. God will do something so powerful in you that you will not and nobody else around you can deny it. Now, this is what I teased earlier. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. I want to show you This this is so incredible. After six days, Jesus took with him. With him. So I want to tell you. Where you're going. He's bringing you with him. He's not demanding that you go alone. He says come with me. Okay. Just a little side note. So, Six days Jesus took with him Peter, James and John. Peter who was, you know, the fiery guy. Cut a man's ear off. Yeah, yeah, James and John, the sons of thunder. Yeah, I'm going to take these three dudes. And we're going to climb. And he said, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Just Jesus and these, these three guys. And it says, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah And Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And so, these three men that had walked and watched Jesus work miracle after miracle after miracle follow Jesus up to the top of this high mountain. And while they're up there, Jesus takes on a form of glory. That they had never seen before. And he became so white and radiant that they were they were set back. And the, and the commentators say that they were set back to the point where Peter didn't know what to do. And he started trying to think of something to do. And, and then Elijah and Moses showed up and were like, hold up. And I thought it was, I thought, you know what? Of all the people to show up on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus and Peter and James and John. It was Elijah and Moses. And there's a number of reasons. But one of the key, the cool things is both of those men had their own experience on the mountaintop with God and one represented the law and the other represented the prophets and he said I'm going to show you and I'm going to wrap everything up and, and I'm going to bring in the representation of the entire Old Testament and they're going to they're gonna come up here and they're going to hang out with us for a minute and then I'm going to show you things that you never thought possible because when I leave I'm going to need you to understand that wherever you go I'm going with you and, and, and my power is unmatched, and my ability to to minister and to work in your life cannot be weakened. And so, Elijah and Moses show up. The mountaintop blessings will reveal God in a way you've never, ever experienced. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, Acts chapter one, verse twelve, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath, Sabbath days journey away. Now you see, it doesn't sound like anything's incredible there, but to really understand. What was so powerful about that mountain is what happened or what was spoken four verses earlier in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. title of this message, you've seen it up here, is Exalted. And the reason is, is because that word exalted means to be elevated to a place of power and authority. Why don't you stand with me? I mentioned earlier that David wrote in one of his psalms he says you talking about God he says you have exalted me above mine enemies Isaiah talked about being exalted upon high and the reason is is because God wants to elevate you from where you're at right now. He wants to elevate you in your knowledge and in your relationship with Him. Because if you've ever went to uh, the top of a sky rise, if you ever went to New York or Chicago or one of these places that's got one of these massively tall buildings and you rode the elevator all the way up and you You walk out on the observatory and you look out and you get over the panic. You start realizing things that used to look so big don't anymore because your viewpoint has changed, because you're elevated. And that's exactly why God puts mountains, some mountains in our life. He wants to change your viewpoint of what you face. And he wants you to see that problem and he wants you to see that situation in your life different than what the enemy wants you to believe it is. Because the enemy comes in and he starts talking about how big it is. And how mighty it is. And he starts talking about how incredibly powerful that thing is. And the whole time the Lord's saying, come up with me a little bit higher. Come on. And we start climbing that mountain. And yeah, we're tested. We go through those those seasons of the mountain. But once we get to the peak, and we get to the summit, and we turn and we look. God wants to show somebody today that that situation, that thing that has looked so big, felt so big in your life. The whole reason I've, he gave me this message is because he wants you to know that from the elevated place that he wants to take you, you'll see how small it is compared to what God wants to do in your life. I want you to close your eyes all over this building. You see, there there is a place of elevation and exaltation He wants to take you today. Will you follow Will you let him take you? Will you choose the road less traveled today? Not take the easy way out, but say, Lord, if you'll lead, I will follow. And if you'll submit yourself today completely to the Lord, Acts 1 and 8. Can become active in your life, and he says, but when you, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when you feel the baptism of the Spirit coming upon you, you're going to feel an elevation change in your life. And you're going to open your eyes spiritually and you're going to see the same things you were seeing, but you're going to see them from a different perspective. And you're going to see them from a different viewpoint. And you're going to realize, man, they're not as big as what I thought they were. And they're not as mighty as what I thought they were. And that Goliath isn't as loud and as powerful as as I thought he was. My God is bigger. So I... I'm just going to make the invitation today. If you've been facing a mountain and you you want that elevation change and you want to see it for the way that God has it, I want you to extend your hands all over this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want you to fully submit to the Lord today. With your voice lifted, I want you to tell them, Lord, I present myself as a living sacrifice to you. Right here, right now, here I am. Lord. Not my will, but thy will be done. Lord, here I am. I submit everything to you. I submit my problems and I submit my situations. I submit my plans and my future. I submit my whole life to you right here, right now. And I ask you, Lord, to...